Regular River Churches will know that uh, we like to do, at this time of year, a preach, looking ahead at the coming year to set the, the tone, if you like, to set the direction for us as we go into this new season. Uh, this morning, we're going to be basing it, though, back into Hebrews. Uh, we had a little pause in our Hebrew series for Christmas, our Advent series, we did four weeks on. So we're kind of now back into Hebrews. We're about halfway through it because the text that we've got to, Hebrews chapter 10, I think is really appropriate for this time of year because it's all about perseverance. It's all about staying on track. And I was thinking of of a title this morning, and and given that it's 2020, of course, it lends itself to all sorts of visionary puns, doesn't it? I no longer have, sadly, 2020 vision. I do apologize, those of you in the back row are blurry, but if I put glasses on, I can't see my notes, so actually, that might be better, I don't know. But um, although I don't have 2020 vision, all of us can have 2020 spiritual vision, can't we? And so I've simply called this morning, staying focused, staying focused. We want to be sharp focused as we go into this new year. For those of you who have got better memories than I have, you might remember this time last year, we shared about light and how God's light gives us courage When we can't see the way forward, when things are all around us, you turn a light bulb on, suddenly you feel emboldened. You can see the next step in front of you. Light gives courage. Light also exposes dangers, tripping hazards. Dangers hiding in the shadows are then exposed in the light. Light ultimately, therefore, helps us reach our destination. And as I was praying for us this year, I really felt God wanting us to now focus his light a little bit more defined. You know, when when light gets focused, it becomes really powerful, really powerful. Think of a laser. In fact, those who uh, are into wavelengths and all sorts of things will know that a laser is much more than just simply focused light. Every wavelength of light needs to be the same length as the other one. They have to be in perfect sync. Every peak and trough needs to be happening at the same time as the other wavelength of light. And of course, they all have to be traveling in the same direction. If you, and ultimately, if you can get as close to that as possible, you have a laser that is incredibly powerful. That speaks to me of unity. Unity in our focus. So just bear that in mind. Unity in our focus. Same direction. We all go through peaks and troughs, but we go through peaks and troughs together. Yes? And I believe that's what God is wanting us to do in us as a church. To be united in our focus, because when we are, I believe we will cut through barriers and we will reach places we have yet to reach because of our united focus. So, how do we stay focused and united in that focus? Turn, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 19 to 39. I'm going to start with this, uh, with just a chunk first, uh, the first chunk. We'll, We'll kind of be dipping in and out, dipping in and out. But 
Very briefly, so far in this series, we have seen how the writer of the, to the Hebrews has gone to great lengths to show how much greater Jesus is to anything and anyone that has gone before. He is the greater saviour. He is the greater and better priest or mediator. He truly empathizes with us because he became fully human, fully God, but also fully human. He was fully God, therefore he was perfect. He became our perfect, greater sacrifice once and for all. Nothing more needs to be added. It is job done in Christ. And because of all that, The writer then summarizes this whole section with a great big therefore. Therefore, in the light of everything we have looked at so far through this series on Hebrews, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way opened up for us, through the curtain that is his body. And since we have this great high priest over the house of God, since all this has been established in Christ, what can we do? Let us therefore draw near to God. This has been the message that has been coming through the worship this morning. We can draw near to God because he is good. We can draw near to God, as it says, with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings. Why? Because our hearts have been sprinkled clean from a guilty conscience. We've been washed with pure water. In Christ, we stand clothed in his righteousness, holy, accepted, welcomed. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, the return of Jesus Christ. Confidence. Confidence is what every follower of Jesus Christ can know. Confidence is what Louise was demonstrating as she faces the unknown with her future. Confidence. Why? Because our confidence is based on a finished work. As I said, Jesus' finished work on the cross is a done deal. That is why we can have confidence, because we can look back and say it's done. It's done in Christ. I am saved. I am secure. I can know my significance and self-worth, not in my roles and my bank balance and in my future, but actually in Jesus, who is my future. Confidence. And confidence is what helps us stay on track and stay focused. And here in this first part of this passage, we see three clear encouragements. Because of this confidence, we can therefore draw near to God. We can spur each other on And we can persevere and not give up. So we'll be looking at those in turn. Firstly, drawing near to God. 
When I returned from my sabbatical last year, I mentioned a key verse that had spoken to me, and I believe a key verse for us as River Church. And it's found in Daniel 11, and it's right in the middle of of a, a revelation that God gave to Daniel uh, about a dream or series of dreams that he had received about upcoming events, tumultuous events, apocalyptic events. Empires being raised up, Persian, Greek empire, right through to the coming of the final Antichrist. I mean, just epic, epic revelation. And you know, I'm just glad that God knows history. And I'm glad God knows the future. You know, even as we look out on on the world at the moment, as we look at the boiling point being reached with the US and Iran, as we look at Australia just burning up, forest fires, I am so glad nothing takes our God by surprise. He is the author of life. He is totally sovereign. He knows the future. And so in Daniel, right in the middle of God revealing the future to him, all these events, right in the middle, there's this verse in verse 32, and I love the way some of the older translations put it. It says, those that know their God will be strong and do great exploits. Notice the qualification there, those that know their God. As we head into this new year, in fact, new decade, we need to be those who really know our God, those who draw close to him. You know, we all want to do great exploits for God. Those who who have said, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior, we all naturally want to do great exploits for him. But listen, if we're doing great exploits for him but not with him, we're going to be burnt out, disillusioned, disheartened. We're just going to get tired. It has to come back to intimacy. It has to come back to relationship. Intimacy with God leads to the impact we desire. Friendship with God leads to a fearlessness that enables us to step out and take on new things, new challenges, new seasons. It's friendship. You know, the the, the closer we are to God, the clearer the picture before us. We might not see the whole picture, but the closer we are to God, the clearer the next step will be. We need to take heart this challenge And ask ourselves, in what ways can I draw closer to God in this coming year? Practically think about that. Prayerfully consider it. You know, ask yourself, what does it actually mean for me to hold unswervingly onto the hope that I profess? What does it mean? As Claire mentioned, as a family, we often ask ourselves two questions. She already mentioned one. What do I need to let go of this year? What things are holding me back from that intimacy? What things are getting in the way of me drawing near to God? As we'll see in a few chapters later, Hebrews 12 talks about throwing off sins that so easily entangle us. 
throwing off the things that just drag us down, stop us staying on track, stop us being focused. I mean, these things can be, can be just unhealthy habits. These things can be bitterness, unforgiveness, disappointments that have just built up from last year. But God may also, as we prayerfully ask that question, be pointing out good things that he wants us actually to lay down. Good things in themselves, but things he hasn't actually asked us to carry. Things that actually, in this new season, it's time to put down because he has something new for us to take up. You know, we get very easily distracted. Sometimes it's the good stuff but stuff that God hasn't called us to that can just fill our time. You know, we have an enemy who loves to keep us busy, but busy on stuff that actually won't bear fruit. And so we need to be perceptive. We need to, at the start of the year, it's a great time. God, in what ways do I need to lay stuff down? What do I need to put in the bin? I think if we're honest... I think rather than holding unswervingly to the hope we profess, you know, I know in my life I can can swerve all over the place. I get very easily distracted. Claire can testify to that. You know, a bit like a driver cruising along thinking, oh, where's that CD in that glove compartment? Or worse still, texting. Heaven forbid. I hope no one does that. Swerving all over the place because you've got distracted. And so we need to prayerfully think, what is distracting me? What is holding me back? What do I need to let go of? Maybe that's a question you can work through in your, in your life groups this week. The second question is the flip side. What things is God asking me to take up this year? Things I can put in place to help me draw near to him. Healthy habits to stay on course. You know, it's the time of resolutions, isn't it? I've never found resolutions work. Resolutions only work if they become actions, which then become habits. And I think if you're anything like me, these resolutions become an action that stops becoming a habit. But we need to be proactive. Ask God, what do I need to take up? It might be healthy habits, as I said. It might be new areas to serve in. Hello, Kids Church. Maybe in the past, you've dismissed it and said, actually, I'm disqualified for that. It's not really me. Why don't you prayerfully consider, God, is this a new area you want me to grow into, to step into, to challenge and stretch me, and an area that I can help others grow in? Prayerfully consider that. I'll leave it there. You know, there's many, many good things we can be doing for God, for our community, for those around us. The question is, what is God calling us to do? Where is he already at work? What has he got for you, for us in in 2020? The only way we know the answer is by staying close to him listening to him, engaging with him. You know, I was thinking about swerving off course or, or holding unswervingly to hope, and I thought another way we, we can start swerving all over the place is simply drowsiness. I, I remember all too well the days I used to travel up to see Claire at college. She was in London, I was in Bath. 
my little mini going up and down the M4, the world's most boring motorway. You know, after a hard week's work, popping up to see her at the weekend, and I could feel my eyelids getting heavier and heavier. You know those blinks that you think are blinks, but they become longer and longer, and it's just alarm bells should be ringing. Please, if you're in that mode, get off to a service station, have a break, because too often than I care to remember, the rumble strips kept me on course. I'd be driving, my eyes would get heavier, and suddenly I realized I've started to drift. And suddenly, you'd be on the rumble strips. Praise God for that invention. Back on course. Okay, okay, where's the service station? They get you back on course. Listen, I don't know if you've started the new year feeling just drowsy. Since when was Christmas a rest, eh? Particularly those parents among you. <laughs> it can be exhausting, can't it? You can start the new year thinking, ah, back to work, new term. Maybe you're feeling drowsy this morning. Listen, we need one another. We can be each other's rumble strips. I don't know if you've ever considered yourself a rumble strip, but you can be one another's rumble strips. You can come alongside someone who's just, just drifting spiritually, just tired. I, I just don't feel really connected with God. I'm just, it's just, you know, life. We can be those who come alongside and encourage one another and say, well done, keep going. You know, God is with you. Remember his promises. Remember you've got an inheritance. Don't give up. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. We need each other, which takes us to this second encouragement we see in Hebrews 10, and that is to spur one another on to love and good deeds and not to neglect meeting up together. You know, whether that's here on a Sunday or it's in your small groups or just socially, we need to remain connected with one another. This is not a solo mission. We need one another's help. I don't know if you saw last year, I think it was September, the, the World Athletics Championships. There was a lovely moment where Bremer Darbo, I don't know if that's his connect, correct pronunciation, but he helped Jonathan Busby cross the 5,000 meter line in epic style. Two different people representing two different nations. Have a look at this little clip. Bremo Sukar Darbo of Guinea-Bissau is literally dragging the brave Aruban Jonathan Busby to the finish line. They are going to finish together here. The crowd are on their feet. Anybody who's able, standing to salute this outstanding demonstration of sportsmanship and camaraderie. They didn't travel here to drop out. They traveled here to finish. Bremer, Sukar Davo and Jonathan Busby to a huge ovation from this massive crowd in Doha have finished the 5,000 meters. And what a demonstration of the esprit de corps and the friendship. Amazing. I loved what the commentator said. They didn't travel here to drop out. They traveled here to finish. That could be said of every one of us. We came to finish. And you know what? What a lovely model of one anothering. Two different nations. What I love as well is um, Brahma Darbo. That was his personal best. 
Even though he gave up trying to be competitive, that was still his personal best, helping his, you know, his colleague across, actually his competitor, across the line. We need each other. We need each other. And yet something in our fallen human nature tends to back off from people when life gets tough. I don't know if you've experienced that. When you're going through a difficult situation, we can isolate ourselves. Rather than going to people who will help us and encourage us, we can often draw back and isolate ourselves. Over Christmas, we saw the, uh, the new Star Wars film. And I don't know about you, but you know, whenever I see a film, I'm always thinking, oh, that's a good sermon illustration. That's a, that's a good. This was packed with so many good sermon illustrations, so many quotes. But there was one that really resonated with me. And it was when our heroes land on this small outpost of a planet. And a new character they meet says this. The enemy wins by making us think we're alone. They win by making us think we're alone. It reminds me of the prophet Elijah. When his life is threatened, he flees to Horeb. Basically, he's crying out to God. He's saying, I want to give up and die. Just let me die. He says in 1 Kings 19, Israel has rejected your covenant I am the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. And what does God say? Well, God actually loves him, cares for him, and reminds him or tells him, actually, you're not alone. There's 7,000 others who remain faithful. You are not alone. We have an enemy whose strategy is to still make us think that nobody has gone through what I'm going through. Nobody else understands. Nobody else is there for me. I am on my own. That is a lie. It's the same strategy. He wants us to withdraw from others. And listen, whether we do that out of pride or fear of rejection or for any other reason, we really need to take this encouragement seriously here. We need each other to spur one another on, not to neglect meeting up. We need one another's wisdom. We need one another's perspective. We need to be challenged at times and ultimately loved. Whatever the enemy wants you to believe, as you go into this new year, you are not alone. We journey together through the different highs and lows. Think of that laser, those light beams all traveling in sync We travel together. It's unity. Where there's unity, there's power. Or as Psalm 133 says, that's where God commands his blessing. To stay focused, therefore, we need to draw close to God and each other. But if you remember, the context of this letter is one where there is great persecution. The church there is under huge pressure, particularly the the Jewish converts They are under pressure to return back to their religion, back to their Jewish ways. And so the writer now gives a stark warning, a really severe warning, not to fall away from all that Jesus has won for them. Please read about it. We don't have time this morning. Verses 26 to 31 of chapter 10. It's a really stark warning about falling away. 
Don't fall back into sin. Don't give up what Christ has won. Don't fall back into dead religion. Keep going. The writer actually describes doing that as trampling the Son of God underfoot. That's strong words, isn't it? Don't fall back. And so he goes on to remind them of when they first received Christ, even in the face of huge opposition and suffering. And he encourages them. And this is where we see this third encouragement to persevere expanded a little bit further. Reading from verse 34. He says, you suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. Isn't that amazing? You can take my house, take my car. I've got better things in heaven. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. We started this passage with having confidence to draw near to God. We now finish this passage with not throwing that confidence away when hard times come because we've got a future award. You know, it's, it's having that eternal perspective Knowing where you are heading really helps keep you on track. It helps bring perspective of the challenges and the trials in the immediate. I came across someone very recently who really models this perseverance and this eternal perspective. He's a Chinese pastor called Wang Yi. And just last week, you might have seen this, it's been on Facebook and other places. Just last week, he was sentenced to nine years imprisonment for inciting subversion of state power. In other words, being a Christian pastor. And he posted this statement, which he, declared, he called, my declaration of faithful disobedience. I love that. I'll just read out a section of it. Listen to what he says. I hope... God uses me by means of first losing my personal freedom to tell those who have deprived me of my personal freedom that there is an authority higher than their authority, that there is a freedom that they cannot restrain, a freedom that fills the church of the crucified and risen Jesus Christ. It sounds like Paul, doesn't it, writing... Those who lock me up will one day be locked up by angels. Those who interrogate me will finally be questioned by and judged by Christ. When I think of this, the Lord fills me with a natural compassion and grief towards those who are attempting to and actively imprisoning me. Pray that the Lord would use me, that he would grant me patience and wisdom, that I might take the gospel to them. Separate me from my wife and children, ruin my reputation, destroy my life and my family. The authorities are capable of doing all of these things. However, no one in this world can force me to renounce my faith. No one can make me change my life and no one can raise me from the dead. Jesus is the Christ, son of the eternal living God. He died for sinners and rose to life for us. He is my king and the king of the whole earth, yesterday, today, and forever. I am his servant and I am imprisoned because of this. I will resist 
in meekness those who resist God, and I will joyfully violate all laws that violate God's laws. It's powerful stuff, isn't it? Talk about perseverance. Our passage this morning in Hebrews 10 finishes by saying, we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. This is what Pastor Wang Yi is demonstrating so visibly here. We are called to be those who draw close to God, who spur one another on, and who persevere. So very quickly, in the minus 30 seconds that I have, what does this look like for us as River Church in 2020? As I was praying a bit about this, I felt God simply give us three key areas that he wants us to focus on. First one is prayer. I want us to get serious about prayer, about drawing closer to God in intimacy in our devotional times, but as well as our corporate times. We're going to be having a a week of prayer and fasting this term. I'd love us to do this every term. Maybe fasting is something new to you. Maybe this is something that you want to take up this year to grow in. You know, even this Christmas season, as a family, we have seen the power of prayer that has transformed a particular situation around, totally flipped it on its head. What was an impasse has suddenly been opened. There's still a way to go, but there is power in prayer. We're also going to continue with our bi-monthly prayer lunches and midweek evening prayer meetings. I also want to set up some regular prayer walks. The Epsom Group have really inspired me again to get out and prayer walk. I love prayer walking. So I'm going to be putting out, probably via the newsletter, some dates to gather probably a Friday lunchtime and walk around Sutton praying, praying for our community, praying for our businesses, praying for our our local residents, praying for our schools, our police force, those that look after us, our hospitals. We're also going to be continuing the Living Free prayer slots to help people walk increasingly in freedom. I love what's going on there. You know, the early church was devoted to prayer. I'd love the same to be said about us at River Church. The second P is people. You might say, okay, that's a pretty broad one. (laughs) It's a broad focus. It is. But this is what it's all about, isn't it? It's people. But two main things I want us to be intentional about, and that is meeting up. Do not neglect meeting up together. I've already mentioned life groups. If you're not yet connected to a life group, please consider doing it this year. If you find midweek evenings really hard, please still connect with a group to help you stay connected throughout the week. Life groups have always been so much more than just an evening meeting. They are a community to do life with, to be championed and to be challenged in equal measure. We need one another again. I'd also love to encourage smaller accountability groups. I know some of you do this. Get together in twos and threes to really speak into your life, to ask those difficult questions. Ask yourself, who is in my life who can actually speak into my life about my faith and and my walk of holiness? Who can speak into my life? If there is no one that comes to mind, please pray about it. Ask God to provide you with someone. We all need that. That's life groups, but it's also smaller community groups. 
But listen, focusing on people, of course, also means focusing on people out there, those who are not in the church yet. This is the outworking of knowing God. As I said, with intimacy comes impact. And I'd love it. I hope it already is. But if all of us, right at at the very heart and center of our prayers and our passion, is a desire to see people saved. This Easter Sunday, I'm booking a baptism in. We're going to have some baptisms on Easter Sunday. What a wonderful day to do that. As we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can celebrate others coming to new life as well. So I'm doing that in faith because I know there are people you know, there are people I know who are ripe for harvest. So prayerfully consider, hey, who am I going to see getting baptized on Easter Sunday? It's going to come around really quick. So let's start praying and continuing to pray. You know, it, it means prioritizing people over our comfort, prioritizing people over our own priorities, prioritizing people even over our insecurities. We're going to be running a course in the spring about helping people to share their faith, you know, hopefully in an uncringy manner, because we all need equipping in this. We all need spurring on in this. And as I said, this is a natural outworking we're going to be running more community events through this wonderful gift of a building. You know, it, it, the focus is people. People is why we are running a homeless shelter here, which has just started. Some wonderful testimonies already coming from that. Wonderful opportunities and conversations that have been had. It's people that we're going to be finally opening our coffee shop publicly this year. Praise God, probably in the autumn. Because we want to reach people. We want this place to be a place where people feel loved and accepted and welcomed. You know, not just to have a sense of place, but actually a sense of God's presence. That's what we want. It's rooted in people. And people is the reason for our third and perhaps major P. If you notice, they're all beginning with P. I love all that. It's just the way my mind works. Third and final P for 2020 is planting. Many of you all know Our heart is to see a church planted into Epsom. Fully established, putting good roots down. And listen, this is not something some of us are doing. This is something we as River Church are doing together. Rob and Abby can't do this on their own. It's something we as a church are doing. And even if you are not actively involved on the ground, please be actively involved through prayer, through joining events, going on prayer walks, connecting with them, giving financially, talking about the the plant to others, encouraging others to go if you can't. This is something we do together. Again, think back to those laser wavelengths. We're doing this together. I, I'm, I just get really excited when I think about reaching. I think there's 80,000 people in Epsom and Yule. That's 80,000 people who have a new chance, a new opportunity to hear the gospel, to encounter Jesus, to see their lives being transformed. That's exciting. We follow one who is steadfast and unchanging. The same yesterday, today, and forever, and he calls us to be steadfast too, to hold unswervingly to the hope 
we profess, because he who promised is faithful. That's why we can head into this new year, and in fact, new decade with great confidence and clear focus. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Let's worship. We're going to take communion together.